0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Press Play Sports. I'm your host Richard Pereira and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey guys, uh, how's it been going for you guys uh, throughout this past week?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess things are good in the sports world. My predictions on most of the things haven't been as great um some some teams won that i didn't want them to but other teams won that i did so you know good mix of both but i guess we'll have to dive into it
2: yeah no there's a lot of good stuff to talk about uh nfl season is finally over so not finally but uh nfl season is over but um i guess it's now it's time to talk about the bears super bowl run for this year so good stuff to talk about
0: yeah definitely and we're first going to start off with Fu Men's basketball. Um, they are starting to gain back some of the momentum they had earlier this season, as they took down Rice in a battle of the Owls, ninety to eighty-one, and then took down Louisiana Tech in an overtime thriller, winning ninety to eighty-five, thanks to a great performance from Elijah Martin, who had twenty-six points, which is a season high for him. And shout out to Vlad Golden. He was excellent in these two, in both of these games, in both of these games as well. Especially against Rice, with his excellent uh, slam, one-handed slam, slam dunk he had on one of their uh, opponent, one of his matchups. So and now they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, they have a 24 and two record, 14 and one conference play, three straight wins, and they are back in the AP top 25 as they currently all hold the 25th spot. So, guys, what are your thoughts on how the how the guys played this past week? well, it's
1: always good to see us back on the top 25, rightfully so. I mean, we're 24 and 2, undefeated at home. There's there's a lot of good things to talk about. Obviously, Vlad's played exceptionally well these past two games. He's kind of been an offensive emphasis, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's good to kind of nitpick and kind of point out some of our flaws. You know, I feel like these last two games, we've been very lackadaisical on the defensive end of things. Um, And it's not to say we're playing poor defensive ball. We just, I don't know if it's teams figuring us out per se with our defensive rotations, or maybe, you know, we're just not um, on top of our game. But the fact that we can still win games, given these circumstances is very impressive. You know, we talk about guys continuously dropping points off the bench. Davis, uh, as usual, 19 points off the bench in this last game. So the fact that everyone can put their egos to the side and just play very complimentary basketball. I mean, I sound like a broken record at this point. I know I'm trying to just find new things to point out with this team, but you know, they've, it's just kind of their identity. They've done the same thing every game this year. You know, you're not going to be too shocked or surprised by anyone because anyone can step up on any given night. So with that being said, you know, only a couple of games left before we get into um, our March madness and hopefully, you know, that works out well for us, but, you know, got to finish out the season strong.
2: Yeah, no, a lot of the same thoughts. Um, it is very nice to be back in the top 25. Um, shout out to the Associated Press for doing their uh, doing their duty there. Um, but, yeah, no, looking at the Louisiana Tech game, you're exactly right. Black Golden had um, their... I don't want to say bigs because the size really wasn't a Louisiana Tech's kind of forte, but they were overwhelmed trying to defend Vlad. He was huge in that game, um, and so was Elijah Martin. And it's it's good to see that um, even though it wasn't the prettiest of wins, that um, they're they the things they do well. They're still able to do like um, they, they. I think you're right, Zach, that you said they're they're kind of got figured out a little bit and. Dusty acknowledged that himself after the game. It was I think they went up by like 15 on a 15 point run at one point in the second half, and then just minutes later it was like they were only up by one and going into halftime. So they definitely did get figured out just a little bit, but um, to just go in right back and uh, in the overtime period and play pretty well, I think everywhere in the overtime period it seemed like they kind of had control of it, but. These, this is something like you can fix. There's still all the things they did well in the beginning of the season. I still think they're doing well. Um, and it's what you want to see as we I think it's like what five games we have left in the season. Um, this Thursday is going to be a big game. Middle Tennessee, we beat them kind of handily if you look at the box score, but it wasn't like that. Middle Tennessee is a good team and it was one of the teams preseason that everyone had um, kind of making some noise in the CUSA. So it'll be um it'll be a good game this Thursday, but. Um they, they still look good. They still look like the team they were at the beginning of the season. So it's good to see.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's pretty good to see them bounce back after that loss against UAB on the road. It's pretty clear that uh, for Coach Dusty May, he understood that a change was going to be needed, even if everybody was playing well up to that point. And he did make that adjustment by putting Elijah Martin back into the starting lineup. And lo and behold, they're on three-game winning streak. And Elijah Martin's playing very good, He's in great form. And as we can see, he dropped 26 on Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. So it's definitely a great, decision, great decision-making great decision on Dusty May's end and a very good performance from Elijah Martin from this past week and especially Vlad Golden as well. So they only have one game this week, as it will be against Middle Tennessee on the road in Murfreesboro, Tennessee on Thursday, February 16th at 7 p.m. It will be broadcast on CBS Sports Network. And after that game, they will take. They will have the whole week off. And they should definitely use that to regain themselves and to get, like, just to recover because they've been playing a lot of games and they definitely deserve it, especially with how they played up to this season. And moving on from men's basketball, we head on to women's basketball. And it seems like they just keep falling back down to earth, especially after their strong start against non-conference opponents. They lost their last two games. Uh, against Rice and Louisiana Tech. They, they lost to Rice 85-64 in a blowout loss. And while they were competitive with Louisiana Tech, at some points throughout the game, they did fall in the end 68-56. to They're on a three-game losing streak. Their overall record is 12-12, a 500 record. And the conference record just keeps getting uh, worse at this point, at a 5-10 and record. So, and you could see how opposite, how polar opposite, how, how they are basically polar opposites at home and on the road they're 93 at home 39 on the road so what have you got what do you guys think on how the how the lady owls have played up to this point
1: yeah i think you've kind of pinned it perfectly right there just we're polar opposites when it comes to home and away and i think a big issue with that is when we do play on the road we just start off slow um you know it, you can kind of see we pick it up later in the games especially uh, in our contest against, I want to say it was Price, that we started playing more competitive towards the end of the game. But, I mean, just that slow start, I mean, you, you just can't have that, especially against conference opponents, because, you know, if you're counting on going on big runs and shutting teams out, you know, that's very hit-or-miss basketball. And it's not just not a very reliable uh, winning method, in my opinion. Um, you know, there are some good things to call it, like Jenna Rosenthal surpassed 500 boards. I believe she's 10th all time. And um, for Lady Owls and career rebounds. So, huge shout out to her. Um, She actually played very well in that game as well. I think she saw like 75% from the field, five boards, three steals. So, she did very good in that regard. Uh, Kind of the same issue, though, uh, when you look at the Louisiana Tech loss, you know, very slow start in the beginning. And then, you know, we were able to trade uh, baskets with them back and forth later half. You know, they do have some success. Um, comparable to the men's team in terms of bench points, you know, they do very well with our rotations and our bench depth. Um, But, you know, I I feel like it all rallies back around to just offensive efficiency and being able to come out the gates hot. You know, you got to put the pressure on the opposing team. You got to kind of take the battle of them. And I just feel like we haven't been doing that as of late. We're kind of just playing very timid basketball up to this point.
2: Yeah. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head when, in the sense that this team like everything that they do is so like hot or cold um then you need you need some sort of consistency in, in some area of the team, like you look at the season where they kind of like started off so hot, and now as of late, not so much um like it seems like one game there one game they're doing everything right, then the next night they're not. One quarter, they're doing everything right. The next thing, they're not looking at Louisiana Tech. It was they went down pretty pretty big in the first quarter. I want to say, and then going into half, they kind of cut it down. And then going into the third, it was that they were losing by three, I think. And then they kind of just like lost it entirely going into the fourth quarter. And that's just it's been the story for it seems like like everything everything for them. They got They got to be more efficient on offense. They got to be more. It's there's nothing. There's not one thing I can, like, point out that, like, this would fix everything. It, they've got they've just got to be better on every facet of the game. That's all I have to really say
0: about it. Yeah, and I do look at their recent offensive outputs these past couple of games. The most they scored in the last four games was 80 points in their win at home against UAB the rest have been 59 64 and 56 it's pretty clear that they are they do they are able to win games where they're at their best but when they're either average or you know or slightly above average or below average they just uh, when it comes to the off- offensive wise scoring wise it's just it's just not enough and it's something they they really need to figure out before the season ends and of course the conference tournament begins and they could figure that out at home in the borough against Middle Tennessee on Thursday, February 16 at 7 p.m. So hopefully they can use uh, the support of their their fans at home to get get a win and just stay above 500 as the season starts to get close to its end, especially after that they do have the week off and there's just four games or many. Like, they have to figure it out very soon. And moving on, we have FU Baseball at last. So they're, they're about to begin their season this Friday on February 17th against the Monmouth Hawks. Um, when we look at last season, they were very good. Their offense was very, was, was very solid, thanks to the likes of noel Shanuel, Caleb Pendleton, Gabriel Rincones Jr., and among others, and, of course, Dylan Goldstein. Um, however, they do lose uh, Gabriel Connors Jr. because he went on to be drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies in the MLB draft. So they're without him, but they do retain most of their best batters, especially Shanuel, who was who Conference USA tabbed him to be their preseason player of the year. So definitely keep an eye on him on that. And when it comes to last season, they did finish with 35 and 23 record 19 and 11 in conference play as they did. Do their they tried uh, their best? Well, somewhat their best uh, in the conference tournament before losing to Southern Miss, who was ranked 14th in the country at the time, and like the quarterfinals, like in the later rounds of the conference tournament. So, what do you guys think of what what will what will go down as this season starts?
1: Well, the very minimum I'd say the bare minimum we expect is obviously uh, over 500
0: baseball, you know.
1: Throughout the time that Coach McCormick has been here, you know we've always played above 500 baseball in conference, um, out of conference opponents it hasn't been this hasn't changed. Uh, what I do like to see is we are playing more quality competition um, as we close out our 10th and final year in Conference USA play before we move into the American Athletic Conference. So you know it's good to see that we're raising our level of competition and not only our competition but our expectations. You know uh, we did lose Rincónis last year in the draft. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. It's kind of hard to see. Players like that leave, but we've also had a ton of new faces and new changes that have come along with the team. You've also mentioned we've retained a lot of faces as well. Um, I'm just going to touch on some of those, you know, coaching staff wise. We brought in uh, Rick, Ricky Santiago and Tabachman. Um, Santiago will serve more so as kind of like the hitting coach. Tabachman will be as a pitching coach. He actually just won pitching coach of the year at Fairfield last season, so he'll be great for our staff. I thought one of the biggest struggles we had last year was our depth. And rotational pitching and just kind of our starting staff, but I'm not really as concerned with that this year. You know, Hunter Cooley, we returned him. He was our ace last year. He's going to be very phenomenal, uh, helping this staff out. Um, you know, I can say a ton of things about Del Prado, um, even new new guys like Oborn, who was tabbed as freshman of the year in Conference USA. You know, there's a ton of things to be excited about. We did extremely well in the transfer portal as well, portal as well, excuse me. And you know, I'll try not to speak too in depthly without taking all the top talking points for you guys but the last thing i will add um i'm very excited about just the maturity of our team you know coach mccormick talked about it at media day he talked about how most of these guys hadn't had a year of division one baseball experience in years past and now that they've had a full season playing division one baseball they know how much effort they need to put in they know how difficult it can be they know the grind of the schedule there's a lot to look forward to and I'm very excited to be able to cover this team this season. And I'm, I have very high expectations, just like they have for themselves.
2: Yeah. Um, I am, I have huge expectations in sort of like the kind of similar senses, everybody like Zach said with the success and um, like consistency that uh, Max brought to the program, like people kind of expect that um, every year they can, they can kind of take the su- success for granted a little bit, but um yeah, it's, it just becomes kind of the standard at FAU baseball, which, you know, it's nice. It almost like almost sometimes feels like we're a baseball school just because that's the only team that we can depend on and just put a good product on the field every year. Um, but, no, there's nothing nothing but things to be excited about, I feel like. Um, just looking at the roster, like you said, um, kind of the struggle last season, and Mac himself kind of attributed it to this, was the bullpen. Um, but there hasn't been – like too much, I'd say right roster turnover in the bullpen and can't exactly take like a huge, um, like approach change, like looking at a bat by bat approach, like between the seasons. So like, like Zach said, it's like the maturity is what really, um, is eye popping and like change about that group. Um, most of the names were not only guys that were on the roster last year, but had through a lot of valuable innings and, or someone that like the team kind of leaned on. They really liked to change pitcher. They weren't like he wasn't afraid to change pitches last year. I, I can't think of the game off the top of my head, but it was like something like eleven or twelve pitchers through in that game. It it was it was crazy. They're not afraid to, um, yeah, and, and the losing. The bat of Rinconis is huge, and losing the bat of Nick Toney at catcher and behind the plate is huge. But there's also so many returning guys in the field. I have no doubt that Caleb Pendleton will be able to kind of step into that, um, not only like the role behind the plate, but that leadership role left behind by Nick Mm Toney. And then like the the big names, like you think, like Nolan Shanuel, Hunter Cooley, these are guys that have been like integral parts of the program for kind of a couple years now um so yeah and there's there's just nothing that um things to be excited about one thing I like I want to point out is they have a chance to make a lot of noise kind of early on they have a gauntlet of games looking at like the early part of the schedule after Monmouth they travel to UCF which um they're not in the top 25 but that's that's usually a solid program and a, a, usually a really good game and then they'll try um host USF and then it's Miami, UConn, and Florida, which are all three um, ranked matchups. And I think winnable games. It seems like every year FAU gives Florida some trouble, whether it's down here or uh, whether it's up there um, or not. They always give Florida trouble. So um, they have a chance to make some noise early on, and it'll be exciting to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this season will definitely be be big for the for the program, especially since it's their 10th and last season in Conference USA before they head on to the American. And at media day, head coach John McCormick did say that he wants to end this time in the in Conference USA with a title. And considering what the program has done since being in Conference USA, which included uh, two regular season titles and four appearances in the NCAA regionals, it's definitely ending their time in Conference USA with a title, with a conference title, and making another appearance in in the NCAA tournament. Hey, that's definitely one a, a very excellent way to end your time in conversations USA, before heading into the American. So once again, they do start their season on February 17 this Friday at 6 30 PM. So, de- so FU fans, definitely head out to the baseball stadium and cheer them on. And that will conclude our time with FE Sports. And we head on to national sports. And so we're going to start off with Super Bowl 57. Um, a lot of things that happened that Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes gave spectacular performances. Jalen Hurts getting three rushing touchdowns on his own. And mastering the art of the quarterback, the QB sneak. And from... The, the color of the Chiefs uniforms from the color of Rihanna's dress at that Super Bowl halftime show, the Super Bowl saw, saw a whole lot of red as the Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl. They're second with Patrick Mahomes leading the way as they took down the Eagle 38-35. to 35. It was a great game, but they were, it ended in a in a very anticlimactic way as the refs did call a holding flag against uh, Bradbury. As it gave the Chiefs a lot of time to take a lot of time off the clock, and a very clever play, by the way, to stop at the one-yard line, and to just take as much time off as possible before settling for the field goal to take to escape with the win against Eagles. So, guys, I want to know your thoughts on on the the game overall, and of course, what happened in the end, especially with the holding foul, holding holding penalty, and you know your overall thoughts so what do you guys think
1: yeah so you know it wouldn't be the nfl without the officials playing some part in the outcome of a game i just think we've come to accept things as such i will say i don't think the penalty was too detrimental in deciding it i also thought the eagles and chiefs were very professional in their approach you know post game i didn't hear a single eagles player put the blame um on the officials you know they'd always say it doesn't come down to one play it's an accumulation of the full game so they were very professional in that regard um i do want to point out now i'm not making an excuse i'm not saying this was huge because both teams had to go through it but the fact that you can decide a super bowl venue and the field conditions be as bad as they were with how bad the players were slipping that was just a complete joke um from a product standpoint i mean there's plenty of other fields or you have you have two weeks is pretty much what I'm saying to make sure everything is perfect for your setup and instead you just had this slip and slide of a game which wasn't very enjoyable just created for more excuses and one thing I hate more than anything is excuses because I just want to see a clean good football game and speaking on the game itself you know Jalen Hurts has completely and if he hasn't for anyone else he has 100% to me and he had already done this prior but completely erased any doubts I had in my mind about him being a franchise quarterback. That man did everything possible for his team. You know, he, I think he's like the third player in history to, to have like four total touchdowns and 350 plus total yards um, as a player. So that was unbelievable performance by him. You know, I felt like the defense kind of let them down in the end there. It just felt like the chiefs had an answer for everything the Eagles were doing and kind of their man-to-man approach, you know, supposedly this, Immaculate defensive line that was going to pressure Patrick Mahomes all, all game with his weak ankles seemed to be a invisible aspect of the game. It just felt like Patty could do whatever he wanted. Um, but, yeah, I, I got to stop being a hater, man. Patty has – I would officially say the dynasty is here for the Chiefs. He's won two rings now. He has a long way to go if he ever wants to be considered as um, the upper ech- echelon of QBs as – far as like all-time greats go but you know he has plenty of time he's only 27 but you know it was a very quality Super Bowl probably the best I can remember in recent years other than the 28 to three for the Patriots but I may be biased in that regard so I'll just give it up that. Very, I'm very content with my viewing
2: experience I'm gonna I'm gonna like do things backwards and start with the penalty I'm gonna I have the same feelings as when we talked about the conference championships no play in the history of football, has ever been decided by one play, or no game in the history of football ever. And the Super Bowl wasn't the first. That like it's it's a ticky-tacky call, yes, but it, it was a holding. It, it it was they the ref didn't make something out of thin air. If the Eagles defense, you know, didn't give up however many yards in the second half and let them score on every possession, they wouldn't have been in that position. So. It's annoying. It's not how it was an amazing game. We all wanted to see the legacy drive at the end, but it, it was. Um, looking at the game, I th- both teams, I think both teams performed fantastic. Looking at Jalen Hurts first, um, starting from the first drive, he. I think that was a masterclass of a first drive. Um, I don't think they. I think they may have had one negative play on like a run by um, Boston Scott or somebody, but it from the first play, he had so much poise. Um, any all the doubters or all like the things that were being held over his head that maybe he can't do this he put that all to bed, um, the like the the drop that I think that's just kind of something that happens and for a while in the first half they were kind of dog walking the Chiefs that fumble scoop and score really put uh, a band-aid on it I think but they they were really taking it to the Chiefs in the first half which. Brings Me to the next point, I think this game was just kind of like a, a testament to Andy how great Andy Reid coaches they like to go into the uh, second half with, like I said, kind of getting dog walk a little bit and your quarterback writhing in pain on the sideline. Um, to go in and make those adjustments, it, it was just like a kind of a coaching masterclass, I think. Um, the like, and another thing I want the Chiefs offensive line played, I think, about as well as anybody. Zach pointed out it was supposed to be like the big bad eagles defensive line that's just got like so many so much depth and so many dudes on that on that line there was like we kind of I think played into a little bit much but some of the pockets that mahomes was sitting in were just like huge like not like not pro pockets but um yeah it, it's just a testament to how great patrick mahomes is you know he played i think he played great in the second half um it's is it's what was like dynasties like this does. And like now I think it's kind of safe to, like we were talking about it last week, is it safe to like call Mahomes like the greatest? I, mean, I know that I think it's a little bit safer now. It doesn't, game doesn't change much, even if he did lose, but it's, it's amazing to see one of the greats in action.
0: Yeah. Uh, like Even though the ending was very anticlimactic, uh, it was a great game. And nobody can take that away from what the Chiefs and Eagles were able to do, especially Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. They were very good. Even if Mahomes was injured, as we could see at the end of the first half, he's he just he's just he's kept on going. And we see where that landed him. The second Super Bowl in five seasons and three Super Bowl appearances. Hey, that's you, – you can't argue. That's, like, basically one of the best starts any young quarterback could have to start their career – literally start their NFL career so congrats to Patrick Mahomes on getting his second Super Bowl and while it's tough for Jalen Hurts he has a very good chance of returning as long as the Eagles maintain this level of play that they've had throughout this past year so it's a a, a spectacular Super Bowl disappointing ending but overall an excellent game nonetheless and for our last topic of the day we head on to the NBA this past week The trading deadline saw a lot, and I mean a lot of chaos. We saw Kyrie Irving get shipped to the Dallas Mavericks to team up with Luka Doncic. They've already played a few games together, one or two games together, and offensively they are very good. Of course, they still have some things to work out, like offensive game style, play style wise, but they're pretty deadly as a duo. Kevin Durant, while he hasn't played a single game yet, he was sent to the Phoenix Suns, teaming up with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton to form somewhat of a top-heavy super team with a lackadaisical bench, but that, that can always it, – it might not matter because at once they're fully healthy, they are very dangerous nonetheless. And, of course, the Lakers, they retooled pretty much almost their entire roster, getting uh, Malika Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and D'Angelo Russell from the Utah Jazz and Denver and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, of course, Mo Bamba from the Orlando Magic, which is very funny. I would really would like to see where, where that goes. And even though they did send away Thomas Bryant to the Denver Nuggets, which is very surprising, I thought they would keep him since he was doing very good this year. But overall, those – and, of course, with those trades, they, that, that didn't mean uh, sending Russell Westbrook to Utah. Um, we'll definitely be very interesting to see what Russ does, either stay with the Jazz or – do a buyout and go to whatever team will want to want to use his services. So guys, I want to know your thoughts on what happened with this, throughout this trade and de- throughout the trade and deadline last weekend. What do you think this puts the NBA as it is at the moment this season?
1: Um, I'll just go in order of kind of the trades happening or at least how I reacted to them as they went down. Um, first and foremost, Kyrie going to the Mavericks, you know, very Mark Cuban of him to, Act, act like you gave Luca support from the perspective of like yes, he did give him another offensive star, which can kind of take off the workload from Luca scoring wise. But that was never really the issue with the Mavericks, in my opinion. I felt like the real big issue in terms of like making a legitimate push for a title contender was having a sizable backcourt, or you know, having some very strong aspects. from the defensive side of things, you know, I just didn't feel like they were a strong defensive team and, you know, they didn't really get any better in that regard. They didn't make any extra moves, which was surprising to me. So, you know, I'll expect them to always be playoff, like a playoff team per se, but I don't see them making like a considerable push uh, for type ti- for a title, unless Luca turns into like prime Larry bird uh, between so- at some point in time. Next, I want to talk about the Lakers. You know, I'm just going to say, you can't do you can't do two things right in a row it seems because you know for lakers fans they were kind of excited moving on past the whole like westbrook trial you know and getting a sizable package from him you know getting d'angelo russell was very good you know bringing on some of those additional names are nice obama's even a fine addition as well but um losing thomas bryant is kind of like like why like i felt like you didn't really need to go there but you just got rid of one of the players that was actually doing well for you. Um, So that was, that kind of hurt to see, but you know, I mean, if you kind of, I don't blame them because the way I look at it is you only have so much time left for LeBron. And if you want to have him on your team now, you got to always push for a title. You have to, like there is no like rebuilding with him because if not, he'll just, he'll leave. (laughs) And I don't think he has any problem with doing that. Um, And speaking of that, another guy that loves to ring chase uh, Kevin Durant, who um, I'm a fan of him. I've forgiven him for his whole Golden State era debauchery. But, um, you know, it's weird because when he was on the Nets, I viewed them as like a really big threat and an issue. But, like, I feel like I'm not as – I don't have as big of a as big of a reaction of him joining the Suns. I, like, the Suns should be like a very aggressive, like, dominant team heading into the playoffs out of the Western Conference. But I'm just, like, not really enthralled with all that they have. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because, like, I Need to just see them put it together, but it, I, I just feel like the Suns are the most fraudulent team I've ever seen. But, um, I, I don't know, that's kind of how I perceive it.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna do the kind of same, like take like in the chronological approaches, Zach. But looking at it, we touched on it a little bit last episode. The Mavs, it's like, yeah, yeah, he gives it help, but how much does this move the team's ceiling? Um, it raises their floor for sure, but you know, who, who like. Luka and Kyrie can't do everything. you got to have defense, and, and eventually, like we said, Kyrie could potentially move on at the end of the season, and you're kind of trading some valuable future assets on um, for him. So it's it, very high risk, high reward, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel too much about that one. Looking at Kevin Durant and the Suns, um, I, I, I completely, I think it's the right kind of move for, I don't want to say right move for the Suns, but I, I understand it. Um, you know, CP3 is like not getting any younger. Um, Devin Booker is kind of like in his prime right now. And the the West is about as wide open as it's ever going to be. Um, so I, I understand like the reasoning behind it. Um, like like Zach said, I, I, I don't, I still even even then, though, I, I don't know how I feel like if that maybe ra- I guess, yes, it raises their ceiling like a lot with like the greatest one of the greatest scores ever on their team. But um, I, I it doesn't make it doesn't make me want to put that much more um, stock in them. And my other thought is that if the West like the West is as wide open now as ever, this doesn't work like if it doesn't work out now, is it ever? And like you said. The, the depth just isn't there, so um, I'm not sure. It's it's definitely like a chips-all-in-the-middle-of-the-table kind of move, and it makes them one of the contenders, but I, as far as, like, me buying into that, not not yet, not yet.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, to, it's definitely a wait-and-see approach when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. They are definitely top-heavy when they're at full strength, but their bench is leaving a lot to be desired so their their best uh, like their best is definitely making the NBA finals but my expectation is that they don't make it somehow some way and I'm pretty sure we can think of a few reasons why would happen we don't have to list them now but we can definitely think of that (laughs) besides their bench which is even though they did add Terrence Ross from the buyout market um, it's not we don't know how uh, effective that but, it, of course, it's definitely just wait and see. And, of course, Kyrie Irving, we talked about it last week. It's definitely, like, uh, giving a like giving more help to Luka Doncic. But, of course, this is, like, as far as we know, this is a short-term thing because Kyrie's on an expiring contract. He could definitely leave in free agency. He could go anywhere he wants. And it's just up to the Mavericks to figure out what they can do to keep him or to keep him there. But at the moment, they are very – uh, vulnerable at the defensive end. And while they can always lean on Luka and Kyrie to do their offensive performances game in and game out, it's just, they're just very vulnerable and not likely to make a deep run at, with the roster that they have at the moment in the playoffs. Like they're definitely, they're definitely a good dark horse. I don't, I don't think they'll go that far. At best they will be a second round exit as far as I know. And for the Lakers, great Great trading, great trades. Uh, unfortunately, lose Thomas Bryant but overall, uh, they're, uh, definitely a very very good showing from them to fix the roster, which is very uh, inconsistent, especially in the shooting department. And they definitely improved in that aspect. And while they wait for LeBron to, cover, to recover, they did get a win against Golden State with, with these guys making their debuts. And even though they didn't lose last night against uh, Damian Lillard and the Port and Blazers, they definitely have a lot going for them as the season winds down. So once they once they get LeBron back, I'm pretty sure they'll be in the mix for uh, a low uh, like a, the sixth spot in the play in the playoffs, or they make their they reach the plane first and then make the playoff, the postseason in the end. So overall great trading, great trades. Um, the Miami Heat surprisingly did not make any trades, which is very shocking. I thought they would have needed some. Um but uh, It doesn't matter to me because the uh, the Boston Celtics got Mike Muscala from the OKC Thunder and he's working wonders with his three point shooting. So I'm at peace.
2: Pat Riley fell asleep. That's why the that's why he didn't make any trades. Yes.
0: Reportedly, reportedly, yeah,
1: reportedly, reportedly, he was uh, <laughs> sleeping during sleep during one of the most important deadlines of the entire NBA calendar. But you know, just happened to be asleep.
2: Making fun of that is like my way of coping with like the Bulls, like. I guess they must have been sleeping too, cause I, like, just, I don't, I'm not un- understand like why you don't just like blow it up there, like, you can't like Zach Levine just obviously doesn't want to play there anymore, like he's like trading like shots in the, at, like with reporters um, about like Billy Donovan, so I, I just blow it up there. I get, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, at the end of the day, great trades all, all around, and we'll see what do. What the benefits or flaws these these trades will expose to each of the teams involved. With that, that'll be it for this episode of UPress Plays Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on UPressOnline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me at Rich Twenty Six Pereira, for Cameron at Priester Cameron and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.